When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, folks, it's a President's Day edition of College Sports Now. Why do I know it's President's Day? Why do I care about President's Day? Because my kids are home from school. They're my responsibility today. I have a stormtrooper in the room over there. Full mask, costume, everything. If he bursts through the door at some point today, we'll handle it in real time. That's how we roll here on College Sports Now. Matt Norlander from CBS Sports. Michael Serber, the dude, L underscore Serberino. And yours truly, Stephen Hartzell. Back in the saddle. I missed you guys when I was in mountain time. It's good to be back. And thank you to Kyle Schasberger for holding it down and watching way more basketball in one week than I have all season. So, boys, it's good to be back with you. How's everybody been? How y'all doing? We're doing fine. Uh, I intentionally didn't respond to our group text until we started this show because you sent along this uh, this video of you on the mountain there, out there, yeah. at, out there at Breck. Uh, it's great to have you back, Hartzell, for sure. Uh, Kyle was obviously incredible to, he's, to work he's with. He's a spectacular talent. Yes, he is. No, no doubt about it. Um, but uh, but yeah, this this video that you that you sent. Um, was it was this a slow motion capture? Peak Did you perform. mean was this a, was this one of those slow mo videos or is this is this full speed here? I mean, this is falling leaf, is what this is. I mean, you falling know, we're leaf. Just, we're, okay, we're, we're just working on a little heel side. I mean, we're just kind of just kind of finding it. You know what I mean? Like in real time. Listen, if you want to jump into this now, we can. Your boy here tore up a couple of greens. That's about it. Okay, like okay, that's a lot of mountain out there. Okay, like that is a big boy ski snowboard destination. And there's like multiple peaks and like like we dropped the kids off at ski school, snowboard school, which I can't speak high, like more highly, more highly of the the instructors were really good. Like they watch the kids 
from like nine in the morning to like three in the afternoon. And they had a blast. Incredible. Like my five year old was like legitimately like snowboarding. Like he got it. Like it happened for him. Um, they took him up on the lifts and everything. So that was amazing. But yeah, as far as like your boy here, you know, approaching 40 years old. I mean, I saw some people that thought they had it going down when I was going up on the lift. And when you fall going like 30 miles an hour, <laughs> I mean, the consequences are far more dire than when you're just kind of doing what I was doing there. So I did want to show the video to at least prove that I wasn't hanging out like with instructors, like holding me on a hula hoop. Mm-hmm. Not to say that did or didn't happen. It might have happened for like a couple minutes. But yeah, man, we did it. We did the damn thing. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you. We obviously are going to get right into Juwan Howard in just a second. But the real important stuff has to come first on College Sports Now. Uh, I am curious how the crowd situation was there. Manageable Seems, or, man. or kind of brutal? Oh, no. Manageable. Like, they had a okay. cap on the number of lift tickets and okay. stuff. I will say this, and again, like, my biggest takeaway from the whole mountain Colorado experience as somebody who grew up in the South and just doesn't ski. I mean, that's a, that's a culture that I just knew nothing about, and I still admittedly know very little about. But, um, you know, like, you go to a festival or a concert, and it's like, look, man, this is a judge-free zone. You want to mm-hmm. wear your angel wings? You want to mm-hmm. rock your homemade like Woodstock outfit from 1969, like nobody cares. It's kind of like that on the ski slopes. Like people were dressed like, like it wasn't Halloween, but I mean, it was, it was wild, man. It was, it was, it was a sight. So yeah, I get it. I, 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 again, I still know very little about that culture, but like server, if I dropped you in Breckenridge, Colorado and was just like, Hey man, you don't even need to ski. Just hang out here for a couple days. You'd be like, yeah, I got that. I'm I'm good. I'm comfortable here. Like it was just different. It, like culturally speaking, it was just it was a judge-free zone. And I didn't think that was going to be the case. I thought it was going to be very you know, kind of like uppity and, you know, people being like, "What do you mean you don't ski?" But it wasn't like that at all. So that I could appreciate. The food was also very good. Good eats. Most excellent. So that's it. That that's what I've got. That that's my report. Well, it's great to have you uh it's great to have you back. Slow weekend and college basketball unfortunately yeah so until not, sunday not sure where we should start here on this episode until sunday afternoon on the network your network when Jawan howard decided he wanted to throw a hand listen wisconsin won the game and and my my whole thing with this norlander i know you've written about it i know you've done your podcast i know you've done your hq hits yeah. i think context is important here right but like you know for for the casual sports fan for people who are just like on their phones on sunday doing other things and they see that that thing pop up that's like Jawan Howard gets into a fight after the mm-hmm. game. Dude, the optics of this are really bad, man. Like you just, you, you, this doesn't happen, especially at a place like Michigan. Like this doesn't happen and it shouldn't happen. I'm not here to call for people's jobs. And obviously we're, it's a Monday morning. There may, there may be some suspensions that come down during the show, but man, the optics of this aren't great, Matt. Uh, clearly, and as we record this on Monday morning, we have not yet learned uh, what kind of punishments are coming down from Michigan, uh, Wisconsin, and the Big Ten. Juwan Howard will not be the only person who is suspended here. Uh, you've got, well, you've got, you know, players like Musa um, Diabate, Terrence Williams of Michigan were caught on video uh, appearing to throw uh, punch- punches. Uh, one Wisconsin player as well got uh, got into the fracas there. Um, I think it's. Uh, I think it was. I think it was Neath. It was, he's who had who had my column. Uh, Jacoby Neath was another one, and then even you know, you've got the Wisconsin assistants. Uh, Sharif Shambliss 
was involved. Joe Krabenhoff, he escalated the situation by kind of, you know, burrowing into a to a scrum there and then I don't know what what happened uh what he said or did not say did or did not do what quite clearly Krabenhoff's involvement is what prompted the central action to this entire thing and what Howard did triggered an entire chain of events there so yeah a super ugly scene uh yeah as we speak on Monday morning I mean I've I've talked about it five times written (laughs) written a column about it um Still good to talk about it some more, but I kind of want to throw this back on you and get your opinions and your thoughts and your expectations of what of what should happen here. Um, because this is this obviously became arguably I think this was arguably the biggest story of the weekend in sports, even despite the fact that we had an all star game, a dunk oh, contest that was don't, horrendous don't and all that. Started. But I don't I don't know what supersedes this at this point. Honestly, this still this still feels like item A on Monday morning. Yeah, I think I would agree. Um, Granted, I was kind of falling back to earth, literally uh, and and metaphorically, on on Sunday coming back from Colorado. But when this came across the, the the timeline and I saw the video, like again, I'm I'm not here to to do what is it Ward Emanuel? That's the athletic director yeah, at Michigan. Ward Emanuel, yeah. I, I'm not here to do his job, but man, this is first of all, this isn't Jawan Howard's first issue with this type of situation right didn't we have mm-hmm. this with turgeon last year in the big 10 tournament similar not to this no, level but yes words, level, words sure. exchanged and they never got close but you know it was uh it was it was a thing uh last year absolutely yeah and then there's yeah. been video like there was a little bit of a skirmish if you even wanted to find that with michigan after it's rutgers game earlier this season i didn't see that but you know sometimes something like this happens and then you've got people you know, Twitter has, you know, people like, you know, oh, I was there for this. People, you know, no one talked about it then. But the, here's, you know, so you see stuff after the fact. So, yes, there's apparently been a couple of instances, which will be taken into account, I think, with Michigan and Ward as far as Howard's punishment is con- is concerned. I'll let you keep going. I don't believe he will or should be fired. I would be surprised if that's the outcome here. I don't think that's going to happen, nor should it happen. But a lengthy suspension is clearly uh, in the cards for Jamon Howard. Well, I mean, let's let's just... I mean, I'm, I'm pulling up Michigan's schedule. They're 14 and 11 overall. Like, they're not... I, I saw an article that was talking about this is going to... I think Andy Katz tweeted that this was going to affect Michigan's NCAA tournament, you know, case or, or, I guess, bid for the next, you know, two and a half, three weeks of the season. Bro, there there is no NCAA tournament bid for Michigan unless they win the Big Ten tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he needs to coach again the rest of this year. Like I, I just I, I think I think if you were to suspend Juwan Howard for the remainder of the season, I, I think that's a I don't think that's an overreaction here at all. Because look, man, you go after an assistant coach, was it a punch? Technically, no. It was open handed. But I mean, you know, it wasn't you couldn't say, Oh, I was trying to grab somebody, I was trying to get my guys back. No, man, you struck the assistant coach on Wisconsin in the head. I don't think he needs to be on the sidelines for the rest of this year. And I think if you wanted to go as so far as to say you're done, I mean, look, the Washington football coach, Jimmy Lake, he got fired for something similar during a football during the football season, and that was with his own player. Server shaking his head over there. But look, in, in 2022... Players different than coach, I think. Student-athletes different than coach. But you, you, fair, fair. Physical contact in 2020. Look, man, this ain't this isn't the 70s. You like it's a bad look when you've when when you're mm-hmm. caught on camera grabbing a kid by the face mask and like yelling at him, barking at him on screen. Like you're getting ripped on Monday morning's sports shows. Like people are talking about, you know, you've lost control. Like nobody wants to send their kid to this place. I understand it's different cuz you're talking about a post-game handshake line and it's 
you and the opposing team's assistant coach in this case. Now, I've also seen some stuff, Norlander, and, and ironically, we're going to talk to a Wisconsin superfan, Bart Torvik, uh, coming up here in about 30 minutes. We're going to talk to Bart about the NCAA tournament and bubble teams and his website and the metrics and everything. But this guy's a Wisconsin superfan, and he's gotten you know kind of fanboyish on Twitter over the last couple of days talking about this incident because, you know, I mean, he's a Wisconsin guy. If it's me, I mean, first of all, it's, it's, a bad, it's just a bad look. It's a bad look. I mean, Jawan Howard's coming off of a successful first season in Michigan. Obviously, things aren't going his way this year on the court yeah. in terms of results. But I don't know. I mean, I, I I don't think it's I don't think it's an overreaction if there's a statement that comes out today or tomorrow that's like, oh man, we're good, we're done here. Wow. I, I don't think that's an overreaction. You don't think it's an overreaction if he gets fired? I guess I I agree with that. It wouldn't be an overreaction. I don't think that's the move in this spot here because as I wrote for CBSSports.com. Jawan Howard is just not the only person to blame in this situation. He is the person at the at the focal point of all this, and it was sure. his attack on Krabenhoff that set off this entire situation. So, yes, if you want to put a lot of the blame on Jawan Howard, I agree with that. But there were other instigating factors here as well. You know, Sharif Shambliss, a Wisconsin assistant, tackled Terrence Williams, one of the Michigan players, as all this happened. He, I think, I think... Shambles will probably get suspended for a game. Uh, as I said before with Krabenhoff, like he kind of got in there and didn't help the matter. Greg Gard, uh, Greg Gard could have let Howard walk by him. This has been a, a major, I, you know, I've stayed out of my mentions because they're like stuff like this happens. I'm required to comment on it. It's part of the job description. I'm not messing around. Like a lot, lot of keyboard cowboys out yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. Um, I understand. And, uh, but like Greg Gard could have walked, let him walk by. In fact, here's the thing: I've talked on background and or off record. There is a difference, but like I'll share the on background ones with almost a dozen coaches since this happened. Some in the Big Ten, some not in the Big Ten. Uh, let's call it like ten or eleven coaches. I think at this point, all of all except one coach, all of them except one, puts at least some of this on Greg Gard. How about that? For the for the handshake stop. For, for the, the handshake for front of you uh, yeah, so that for the you handshake can't go down for the, line. the handshake stop. He's pissed off. You're the like I had three or four coaches, all of these being head coaches. I talked to some assistants too, but all these were head coaches saying you're the better team, you're at home, you won the game, you're going to the tournament, they're in the middle of a crappy season. Let him be angry, let him say his piece, just let him walk by you. Just let him let him go by you and just let it be it. Just let it be it. So it's been interesting to hear, because I don't know if any coaches are going to speak on the record about this. Sure. You can understand why they'd be, they'd be reticent, but it's been super interesting to hear how many coaches they all these people put more on Juwan Howard than Greg Hard. Let me be perfectly clear about that. But only one coach that either you know reached out to me independently. I, I really didn't reach out to hardly any of these coaches. There were a couple that I wanted to kind of check in with, but most of them have found me because they were either listening to my CBS podcast, saw me on HQ, so then they're prompted to reach out. Um, most of them were saying, you know, you know, Juwan went out of his mind. We can't, we obviously, this is, this is horrendous. We can't have this, but like another three or four of them were saying, what are we doing at the end of that game, man? Why is Juwan pressing at the end of the game, the Wisconsin backups? And then what does guard care about calling a timeout because he doesn't want to turn over? Game's a 15 point margin with less than 20 seconds to go. Just let it go. And so a couple of coaches were like, this is just typical coaching ego nonsense. And, I, you know, I, 
I find it uh, interesting and I, and I think helpful to at least learn from the coaching side of this that, you know, I, I'm not going to break down purely into like it's 75 Howard and 25% guard. No, there's other coaches that got involved in this. There's players that threw punches as well. There's no, you know, mathematical way to break all this down. But having heard from no sure, like a, a lot of coaches were like, if guard just lets him, just let him walk by you. Just, you know, just try and suck it up instead of, Touching him first, grabbing yep. him by the elbow, yep, and and kind of keeping Howard there. And then it, there's a there was a video, Pablo Iglesias, who uh, who's a, a camera journalist there, who's right in there, man. He's in there, and you can hear the exchange, and you can hear Juwan Howard, who's just you know he's set off. This is a loss that's affect you know the bigger picker, bigger backdrop here is that you know Michigan's trying to get into the tournament. Had you won, you would have been clearly a tournament team at that point in the season. They lose, they get their butts whooped all that and he wants to say his piece and just walk on by but guard says oh hold on hold on hold on hold on hold on and then uh, howard's immediate immediately like don't touch me and that's an understandable response from juan howard sure it's not an understandable response for juan howard to lunge over people and make contact with joe krabenhoff's head not understandable not acceptable whatsoever but i i just tried to interpret this situation as fairly as I could by putting the majority of the blame on Juwan Howard, but not all of the blame on Juwan Howard. And while I, I am not a, I'm not a violent person. Like the last time I got into a fight, I believe was the fifth grade. Yeah. During a capture the flag battle. I still remember the kid's name, Grant Taylor, Grant Taylor captured the flag fight right there on the on the fifth fifth grade playground. I think that was the last fight I actually got into. Um Did you get some uh, mid school so, suspension after so, no, no no no. But but it was uh there may have been tears. I'm not saying whose tears, but there may have been tears. Um of course. Yeah. But I've never been in that situation where it's like, you know, get your hands off me kind of deal. But I completely understand and empathize with anyone who is like if you're heated and the person you're mad at or one of the parties you're mad at puts their hand on you no, no matter how that is Sure. The immediate reaction to be like, don't you bleeping dare touch me right now. And guard, he did. And he didn't immediately stop. And now Howard also immediately then started pointing his finger, grabbing guards. He got, I think he got a quick grab on uh, on guards' windbreaker there or whatever, and then things escalated. So I, th- I expect we'll have punishments later on Monday. Big Ten said it was going to be swift and aggressive. To me, swift and aggressive means we're getting this news by Monday afternoon at the latest. I don't want to be loitering by Monday evening dinner time when we don't have an answer to this. So if anyone happens to be listening to this podcast later on in the day on Monday or Tuesday, then perhaps you already know what this, uh, the punishments have been that have come out. But I do think that Howard's punishment will be the worst of them all as it should be and then I'm intrigued to see uh, who else gets games and how many the players uh, you know if, if each of them only got a game I would be fine with that I have heard once the adults start instigating a situation like this you shouldn't be holding the players accountable or suspending them I can't fully get on board with that anytime you have anyone throw a bald fist in a situation like this I think it sets a bad precedent to not at least sit them for a game so if those three players that were caught doing it are sat for one game I think that's completely reasonable uh, Matt, because you have, you know, kind of a just a better memory of this stuff than most. Um, last time this has happened in, in in at least in the D one arena with, with a with a coach throwing hands against another team mm. staff. Like I, I like I was thinking of the Kansas Kansas State game a couple of years ago, but that it was there, that. there were no coaches involved. That was just you know players, and I believe it was Azabuki at one point who had a you know courtside chair like just yeah, cocked and yeah. ready to rock. Infamous so I mean, yeah. when was the last time we've seen this with with a coach 
trying to think about that one. I don't know. Coach on coach. That's a good question. Coach on coach crime. I mean, this this is the type of I don't stuff know that the, the last NABC time that ha- I don't for. I don't know the last time that's happened. I'm yeah. sure it has. There might be a listener who's a fan of a particular school or just has a vivid memory of it happening. I'm sure it has. I just can't. I'm trying to think the last time, particularly like a head coach right. being the one to instigate it. I don't know. I mean, we all know like the the clip of like John Cheney and John Calipari, right? But that's I mean, it's decades they, ago. That was decades ago in the press conference. It's not. It's also different. Correct. Not on the court. That was the press conference. Cheney got within about call it six feet of Cal before he got separated. Yeah. Didn't he classic. also threaten to kill him though? He said, "Okay, I mean, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> just okay, just just wanted to yeah. make." And be the sure great part that, about but. that is those coaches like they made they made up and they were friendly for years after that, and that, that's what makes the story so amazing. All these years later, is like, you know, genuine animosity at one point, and then Cal it, Cheney died last year, and Cal uh, shared just an awesome photo that looked to be I don't know maybe five or six years old at that point, but it was it was a blurry picture of him and John Cheney kind of like celebrating out somewhere, and it was really, really cool. But I don't, yeah, to answer your question, I'm not uh, I'm not quite sure. Um, you got anything else or you want to kind of recap the weekend, get to some basketball before we get to Torvik here? Yeah, so Bart Torvik's going to be coming on in about 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, let, let's talk about actual on-the-court hoops results. I mean, Florida over Auburn's got to be, you know, that's got to be leading the pack, right? I mean, big win for the Gators. They're at large case. Again, with Auburn away from home, man, like these guys aren't world beaters when they're not playing at the jungle. It's a a different team. I understand it's hard to win in college basketball on the road. I get that. I'm just saying, like, if you want to put, you know, if you want to put your chips on Auburn come tournament time, and what are we, three weeks out from Selection Sunday? I mean, we're getting there. Four weeks out? Math is a little blurry right now. We are now. less than three weeks from Selection Sunday. Thank you very much. You know what I'm saying, though? Yes. Like, can Auburn be trusted? I don't know. Oh, wow. You're going there. Uh, I don't know. Can a 24-3 and team that ranks in the top six or seven of every metric be trusted? I would say yes. Well, listen, does, Norlander, doesn't mean I, I think that they're got most a, likely you've to got a re, You've got 14 teams that are Final Four eligible in your mind. I mean, you, you like if you're in the field, you've got a shot. I mean, that that's kind of where you are at this point. I'm well, just let saying, me, man. Let me read. So on Saturday, we had the top 16 bracket reveal on CBS. Yes. Okay. So let me let me quickly recap recap that for the listeners there in order. And then you're going to tell me national title contender yay or nay. Okay. 16 in order. Here, here we go. Gonzaga. Yes. Yeah, yeah, or nay? All yay? the time. Yes, yay. Okay. Big yay. Auburn. No. Arizona. Yes. Kansas. No. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Baylor. Yes. Kentucky. Yes. Purdue. Yes. Duke. No. You're amazing. Uh, Villanova. No. Texas Tech. No. Tennessee. No. Illinois. Yes. Wisconsin. No. UCLA. No. Providence. No. Texas. No. To recap, the only teams that can win a national championship this year, according to Stephen Hartzell, are Gonzaga, Arizona, Baylor, Kentucky, Purdue. I think that's it. I think you no, gave me... No, Illini. Illini. Oh, that's right. Illinois was sneaky. Six. You Super gave six. me six. six. Six teams. Six. Six. Six teams. Listen, man, I'm not here to reward 
mediocrity. I'm not here to say, hey, congratulations, you're in the field of 68. You've got a chance. You can win six games in a row. No, you can't, actually. Six teams can. Now, that could change, Norlander. Like, I can't believe you, you said no to Duke. Interesting. I did say no to Duke. Yeah. I mean, unless you've got an ACC officiating crew on the, on the, on the floor. I mean, what are we talking about? I mean, you know, it's, it's a little easier when you're playing eight versus five. I mean, come on. Listen. Listen. Things could change. It's a very fluid situation here three weeks ago until Selection Sunday. Less than three weeks ago. That's right. shaking his head. He's so disappointed in me. But listen, the takes are flowing, man. I've, I'm seeing things clearly <laughs> right now. All I'm saying is Auburn is spectacular at home. They, they, they've they got, I mean, Jabari's an NBA. I mean, he's going to go number one overall. Like, they're loaded. But, man, sometimes you got to win in a hostile environment. And where has Auburn done that this year? At, at Alabama? Like, like that's it. That's Auburn's it. Auburn's 10th. Uh, I mean, they're seven and two on the road, and they're three and one in neutral. So they're ten and three in road neutral games. So they're not exactly hurting there. I understand yeah, what you're but, saying. They're tenth in the yeah, net. Yeah, but look morning. at look at who they've beaten. That's all I'm saying. Like just uh, look, Arizona's a team. Uh, I mean, their losses have been respectable this year. UCLA and and what in Knoxville to a Tennessee team that's you know also tournament bound. I mean, I, I I think Kentucky is loaded. I think they're I think they're tested. I think they're proven. Okay. They can get it done. Baylor, obviously, defending national champs, and Purdue and Illinois out of the Big Ten. I think they're just built different. I just think they're built different. No disrespect to the rest of the Big Ten. So, yeah, that's my list, Norlander. I know your list is about three times that length. It's not three but, times that, but I do think it's about twelve or thirteen uh, deep. I w- I would say that Tennessee on the road Saturday for Auburn. That's the only chance for. Uh, Bruce Pearl's Tigers to redeem themselves in the eyes of Hartsville because the other games are Wednesday home to versus Ole Miss, then at Tennessee, at Mississippi State, home against South Carolina. So basically, it's Saturday against Tennessee on the road, and then probably nothing earlier than the SEC semifinals for Auburn to prove its value. Again, this is a 24-3 and team that is uh, top 10 in every metric, so... Yeah, it's classic Auburn. Classic I mean, we, we've, we've 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 seen classic, this before. No, classic Auburn is like not even getting into the field. That's classic Auburn. This is not. This is not classic Auburn. It's not. Elsewhere in the SEC, by the way, Florida at least has its tournament hopes alive because of that win. We'll see. Uh, elsewhere in the SEC, Kentucky won without its starting backcourt. Beat Alabama. Alabama started the game nine of twelve from three point range. Keon Ellis was out of his mind. And they were up by 13, were the tide. And then that tide indeed turned in a, with a quickness. Nice. Wow, I see what you did there. Very good. No one's ever used that before ever when talking about Alabama sports. I believe I was, I was the first just now. Uh, Kentucky wins 90-81. to 81, And in doing so, gets to second overall in Ken Palm, only behind Gonzaga. Kentucky doing this without its starting backcourt. I said this on Ion College Basketball. Uh, to me, was another signal of how so very, very, very real this team is uh, among yes. the three best in the country. Ty uh, Ty Washington is the 1B to Oscar Sheepway's 1A in terms of value to this Kentucky team. And then Sevier Wheeler uh, is an elite distributor who, um, I think they called it an upper extremity injury is why they kept him out of that game. But they had enough. Like the, There were other Kentucky teams in the past that would not have been able to remotely been able to get through this kind of game against a 
caliber of an opponent like Alabama, which has taken on plenty of losses, has the number one strength of schedule in the country. So 17-10 playing a harder slate than anyone else in the sport. Um, Alabama's good enough to beat Kentucky. It didn't do it. It was beating them through the first 15 minutes on Saturday. But that was a, that was a, a good win for UK, which was a number two seed in the Saturday reveal, despite the fact that Kentucky won at Kansas in yes. blowout fashion. Yes. Again, the entire... The entire schedule matters. It's not just necessarily head-to-heads. And so I wasn't surprised that Kansas was ahead of Kentucky, but this kind of win for Kentucky, dodging a home loss, keeps the Wildcats in contention for a number one seed. And I believe there's a very healthy chance that Kentucky is going to wind up on the one line. Its remaining regular season games are home against LSU, at Arkansas, home against Ole Miss, at Florida, if it goes 3-1 and one in that stretch, it will be in really good position. And then if it can make the SEC title game, I think it will also be in good position to do so. Well, at, at Bud Walton Arena, that's a loss. You can go ahead and chalk that up right now. I mean, we, we, we know what that place is like. It's upside down. It's a madhouse, man. It's upside down. Place gets we'll wild. see. Arkansas, 21-6. and six. It got a win at home at Bud Walton over Tennessee to get to 10-4 and four in the league. And Arkansas was not in the top 16. I, I believe that if the committee convened right now this morning and did a top 16 again, Texas would be out, Arkansas would be in. So, yes, as of today, Arkansas now has a, has a four-seed level resume. Speaking of brackets and speaking of projections, again, Bart Torvik going to join the show here in like 15 minutes. Uh, shout out to our man, Jerry Palm. I mentioned this. I mean, I know he listens to the show. Like, me and Jerry, like, we, we interact when we're at these national championship events. I mean, we, we, we've, we've dapped each other up on the reg. Uh, I, think he, I think he finally got the message about projections because these are freshly baked as of Monday morning now. He's got his first four in, Memphis, Wake Forest, Florida and BYU. Those Memphis, are all going to Memphis Dayton. is not in the tournament right now. That, According that to, well, take that up with Jerry Palm, sir. He has Memphis, Memphis in right now? Memphis, Wake, Florida, and BYU, first four in Dayton, okay? Last four, or actually that's the last four in, whatever. First four out, Rutgers, Oregon, UNC, Michigan. So there you go. I mean, Listen, listen Palm's, Palm's in it, man. I don't doubt him. I got to put pen to paper. I cannot believe Memphis would be in the field right now. It got walloped on the road at SMU on Sunday to get to 15-9, and nine, ending a six-game winning streak. Prior to that, though, they were Will Ferrell in old school. They were streaking. I mean, come on. They were streaking. They, they, uh, the, the win against Alabama is what's keeping them in this thing. I don't know. That'll, that's, that's interesting. I don't feel they like all, They also lost in. to Georgia, by the way. I mean, good luck. I mean, yeah, Memphis's I don't feel like Memphis' schedule is I, I, dicey. No, 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 no. I would disagree. But, I would have Memphis. But look, shout out to Jerry Palm because, I mean, the dude is – I mean, we're, we're in it now. We're inside of three weeks to go. My man is updating the bracket every 15 minutes. That's what you love to see. I don't know if see. that's happening, but it is getting more frequent as it should as we you get closer. Um, you love to see it. What else stood out to you from the weekend, Hartzell, before I kind of roll off some results? What about Well, I mean, as as we've already mentioned, I mean, I was I was a mile high. Actually, I know, but almost, as you like as you come down high. from your mile high, is there any other specific result that you think, even if you didn't see the game, that that you'd like to wax on or have me wax on? Well, hang on a second. Um I I thought Wake Forest's near win at Duke. I know that's going back. That was a midweek game, but man, those <laughs> questionable <laughs> questionable decision-making going on at Cameron as uh, Serber rolls his eyes and makes him going back almost six days into the timeline. Sorry, you want to hit, uh, hit on the Maui tournament from November while we're at it? Or? No, I don't okay. want to hit on the Maui. Was, was that played in Maui or was it played in, Vegas. It was played in Asheville? And who won, that, who won okay. that Maui tournament this year? 
Wisconsin. It was Auburn, wasn't it? Wisconsin. Oh, Wisconsin. Okay. Don't ask me about stuff in November, man. You know what I'm doing in November. My only other take from the weekend was, and I, you've been you've been banging the Tommy Lloyd drum all year. Uh, Arizona and Oregon over the weekend. Ducks mm-hmm. are fighting for their NCAA tournament lives. I, I think Zona at this point, Norlander, you tell me if I'm wrong, man. They could they not make a case at a number one, not a number one seed, but I mean the number one team in America. Yes, they can make a case. Gonzaga again was Gonzaga will be number one in the polls again. Gonzaga's number one at Ken Palm. It's number one in BPI. It's number one in Dorvik. Gonzaga's not losing again, right? Like they've got two Gonzaga races as the left. number one team. But Auburn, uh, I mean Auburn, Arizona uh, is now right behind them in my opinion. Now they're th- Arizona is third in Ken Palm again. Kentucky narrowly, narrowly Kentucky is ahead of Arizona in efficiency margin as of this morning. Um, but Arizona's got uh, a solid, solid case there. And yes, only two losses at Tennessee, at UCLA. Those are two top twelve teams at Ken Palm. So Tommy Lloyd's done an amazing job. He is my narrow leader for National Coach of the Year as of this morning. I would put him slightly ahead of Ed Cooley, whose Providence Friars got down 19 at a bad Butler team on Sunday. Then the Michigan-Wisconsin thing happened, so I was, you know, I had to be on HQ in real time and all that stuff. So I didn't see how Providence closed the gap to send it to overtime, and then well, I didn't see any of that. But they they erased a 19-point deficit to remain just a three-loss team. I'd have Ed Cooley slightly behind Tommy Lloyd for National Coach of the Year, along with some others uh, in there. But yeah, no, Arizona getting the win over Oregon. That was a very entertaining, well-played game. Uh, ESPN went out there for game day, so it was a, it was a big-time deal for McHale and the, and the Arizona students there. But they held on. And Oregon, unfortunately, which you said they're one of the first four out for Palm, yeah, man, they got rolled and roasted on Thursday against Arizona State, and then they go and they lose at Arizona, which is supposed to be expected. They've lost three of their past four. Now they get UCLA and USC at home this week, does Oregon. So Dana Allman's team can salvage their tournament situation. they got to minimally, minimally go one and one there, and then they have a road trip to Washington and Washington State to close the regular season. My prediction, Oregon's not going to the NCAA tournament. Have not seen enough to validate any kind of belief that they're going to maintain this, they're not going to have enough. They're they're going to. I'll say Oregon's going to wind up as a two seed in the NIT, but good on uh, good on Arizona. Uh, can I tour? Can I, you want me to take you a tour around the around the elsewhere around the sport? Yeah. over the weekend. Yeah. Okay. Come on, let's go. Got to go to Texas. So Texas Tech, their fans buy up. I don't even. I I didn't get a full uh, full count, but if it sounded like sixty forty Texas in that building, Texas Tech fans were. In the joint, in there, and then they go and their team wins sixty-one fifty-five over Texas. Texas Tech is, you know, putting itself in position to be a good two seed. It was on the three line, the tenth overall seed on the bracket reveal on Saturday. I don't think it would. It I don't. I know it didn't jump anyone because the teams ahead of it: Duke, Villanova, Purdue, Kentucky, uh, Baylor, Kansas, all won. So Texas Tech is still in the ten spot, but. Uh, if you look at the, I brought this up on Iron College Basketball as well. I'm not trying not to repeat myself too much because I know we have double listeners, but I want to reemphasize this because I think this is important. Texas Tech's remaining schedule is Oklahoma, TCU, Kansas State, Oklahoma State. What do those teams have in common? They're all at the bottom of the Big 12. Now the Big 12 is a good league, but they're all, you know, they're all ba- either trying to get into the NCAA tournament conversation or avoid finishing last overall. And for Texas Tech, which plays those teams, the only team that's not in there is West Virginia, which is now, uh, you know, done. Uh, it's just, you know, Bob Huggins trying to get into the Hall of Fame, and meanwhile, his team can't win, his team can't win a damn game, man. They lost at home to Kansas. Um, 
good spot for uh, for Texas Tech. Mark Adams, I would have only narrowly behind Ed Cooley for National Coach of the Year at this point. Texas Tech is 21-6. to It's never been this good through 27 games in school history. But you don't think that Texas Tech can win the national championship, Hartzell? Well, I, I mean, you and I are from different schools here, man. I'm not putting a third of the field on that list. I got my super six, okay? Again, fluid, subject to change. But yeah, man, you got to do more than go on the road and win in Austin if you want to make my list. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Uh, Iowa won at Ohio State. That was an important win for Iowa's NCAA tournament resume. That's a road win, and I like to see teams that are clearly up against it get challenged and uh, and come out with uh, with a real you know kind of win that alters the discussion. And Iowa did that. Now Ohio State has been slipping as of late, no doubt about it. Uh, have lost three of their past six, so. The Buckeyes are a little bit wobbly, but it was their first home loss of the season. They had not been taken out um, at, what do they call it, Value City Arena? Monstrously sized arena, just way too big. Um, But Iowa got that done. Keegan Murray is going to be a first or second team All-American, almost certainly. He had 24 in that game for the Hawkeyes. Uh, you mentioned Wake before. I just wanted to, to bring up that Wake was able to win against Notre Dame, and in doing big so... Big game. Just I, yeah, Steve Forbes has got this team on the track to make the NCAA tournament. It's the best Wake Forest team in a dozen years, thirteen years, and getting that win at home at the Joel was important for the Deeks. No, they're not safe. They're not for sure in. In fact, in fact, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna use this. Uh, uh, I'm gonna get on my on my soapbox for a second here. I I am so litigious with the term lock. It, it bothers me to see how many people use this term. Just just toss it out there like it doesn't mean anything. The term lock literally means you are locked. There is no unlocking. Once you are locked, it's done. You can lose every single game and still get into the tournament. That's a lock to me. There's no doubt about it. There's no room for interpretation. Nothing. You can lose every game, and it's clear you're still getting into the field. So with that being said, Gonzaga's a lock. Kentucky's a lock. Arizona, Baylor, Kansas, (laughs) Auburn. These are locks. UCLA... Not a lock. If UCLA were to lose every single remaining game, it's not getting into the field, I don't think. It's got five more in the Pac-12, plus a, a six. If it went 19-11, and 11, you can't say with 100% certainty UCLA would be in at this point. Duke, 23-4, and four, it's a lock. Duke's lock a lock. Up. Lock it up. I Duke's love it. Duke's a lock. Texas Tech's a lock. Villanova's a lock. Tennessee a lock. Sure Tennessee's not a lock. If it were to lose at Missouri to, to Auburn... To Georgia to Arkansas and lose its first SEC game, it would be nineteen and twelve. See ya. Nah, it's a lock. It's a lock. They got they beat Arizona. Ah, beat Kentucky. They're a lock. They'd get in. They'd be first four, but they get in. Um, Purdue is a lock. Uh, anyone else? I might be it right now. Wisconsin's a lock. Spoken but that's like my point. Agree or disagree? Yeah. Words matter. Um, I mean, I, I think you're taking it to the extreme, but I, I do. But I, 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 yeah, I, I do. Your take point it. is well received. I get it. You don't. You people don't like think people there are like thirty locks around. to make the tournament right now. There absolutely are not. They're not. It's unlikely. But I, again, I'm just a bit litigious. I'm a bit anal with this. It's a pet peeve. We all got our sports. What, what's one of your big sport pet peeves, Serber? What's a big sport pet peeve for you? Probably producing the show twice a week with me yeah, for the uh, for, the, for the course over the course of twelve months. 
Sorry, I was answering emails. I wasn't really listening to the conversation. Yeah, fair, What's fair. your big... I just heard... Actually, that's server and his best element there. Hartzell, sports pet peeve for you. What do we got? Um, Oh, God. I mean, pretty much anything that has to do with sports dialogue, ironically. Yeah. Like, if you're at the airport and someone's like, Oh, my God. That's Matt Norlander from CBS. <laughs> Let me ask him about my, you know, Vermont catamounts. Are you engaging? I mean, or, or better I'm, yet, you're I'm at the engaging. bar, you overhear people talking about sports and not, like not engaging. Yeah. Not and shot. someone's out there and they're like, man, Carmelo Anthony was the greatest Providence Friar in history. Like, are you I'm engaging? Not, no, I'm not getting involved. See, that's my pet peeve. It's just sports talk in general. Now, I'm not I, getting do involved. Listen, I do listen to the Ion College Basketball Podcast because I need that. You know, it, it helps educate me on what's going on with college hoops. But, you know, in general, like, you know, like I was, you know, just being around people and, and having to hear with take here, you know, like, uh, yeah, anyway, that's why we have this outlet. That's why we have this forum where we get to be, you know, dudes talking about sports, but I don't like to do it in public. No, thank you. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'll talk about it here and there, but it's, uh, I'm not, I'm not seeking it out. I got a lot of other interests and hobbies. Uh, quick results from Sunday before we get to the interview portion of the show. USC got to 23 and four. Not a lock. USC Barely though. Barely. The Cougs had them. I know. The Cougs did have them there. Um, it was quite the defensive battle. How about this? Washington Washington State. Dude, they were 5 of 32 from inside the three-point line. That's 16%. They were 15 for 31 from three. They shot 48% from three and 16% from two. 50% from the line, by the way. Bizarre, bizarre stuff. Like, really Really weird. USC wasn't that much better, man. 34% from two-point range. 54% from three. Seven of 13. I'm sure this has happened, but I don't have the capacity or means or really the desire to go and try and find it. Tell me the last time there was a game where both teams were at least least 15 percentage points worse from two-point range than three-point range. Both teams. That's what happened on Sunday at the Galen Center. I don't know. That stuff fascinates me. USC, I, I don't, USC cannot be trusted in my book. Are they on your list? Are they on your short list? They're not on my list to win the national championship. No, they can't okay. win it. Yeah. And if you want to, if you want to be skeptical, I think that's, I think that's entirely fair. Uh, but USC does get the win, and you know, track into single digit seed at this stage. Marquette won. Uh, Marquette lost against Creighton. That was a home win for the Jays. The Blue Jays keep themselves in position to get a bid. They have won five in a row. The only win in that five-game stretch over a projected tournament team was Marquette. Now they will play at St. John's at Providence. Creighton will need to win at least one of those two in order to maintain its status in the conversation. I previously mentioned that Butler blew a 19-point lead. Providence came back and won. Providence still projects as a four seed at this point. Purdue knocked off Rutgers 84-72. to Rutgers has to be considered out of the field at this point. As you mentioned, Palm has him there. Can't, uh, can't dispute that. Ron Harper Jr., not only did he play, he played 33 minutes. This was after injuring his finger. We talked to Steve Peichel on the show last week. At the yep. time that we talked to him, we weren't sure what Harper's status was. I did not think that he would play in this game, but not only did he play, he logged 33 minutes, but uh, no matter. Zach Eady went for 15. Jaden Ivey went for 25, including a phenomenal dunk. 15 of Jaden Ivey's 25 points came from the foul line there. Purdue gets the home win and an important one for them on Sunday. And then finally on Sunday, Houston won 76-74 in double overtime on the road at Wichita State. 
The Shockers had this game multiple times. An incredible, incredible job by Houston, including Josh Carlton, who had 23 points and a huge bucket late to keep Houston alive to get this W there. There were five Cougars that scored in double figures. Kyler Edwards, Jamal Shedd, Josh Carlton, Fabian White, Ramon Walker. They did a great job there. Wichita State has been a bit snake-bitten with results this season. It's now 13-11 after signing uh, its coach, Isaac Brown, who was previously the interim. After Greg Marshall got fired, Isaac Brown was promoted interim, and then he got the full-time gig almost a year ago. The Shockers were anticipated to be like a double-digit level kind of seed this season. Not going to happen. They need to fight to even get into the NIT. Houston, meantime, was outside the top 16, sitting on the five-line right about now. It was under consideration for the four line not there getting a road win was important they'll play Tulane next on Wednesday and uh, that's all I got yeah Houston fool's gold still I mean nice win at the Shockers but come on I mean it's the AAC bro I'll tell you what let's uh let's hit pause and bring in our man Bart Torvik he's got takes I, I I've got a, I mean I, I pulled up the Twitter timeline a lot, lot of a lot of opinions about what we've seen uh between the Michigan and Wisconsin coaching staffs on Sunday we'll bring in Bart Torvik we'll also talk to him obviously about his website metrics and the tournament we're getting closer inside of three weeks to go until selection Sunday Bart Torvik joins the show next some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois. All right, our man Bart Torvik joins the show of BartTorvik.com fame. Uh, we will talk plenty about the metrics, bracketology, all the stuff that people care about this time of the year. And Bart, the website is fantastic. But I pulled up your Twitter feed before we came on the show. Obviously, you are a Wisconsin fan. And uh, lo and behold, we, we had some takes from the Jawan Howard incident on Sunday. So, so Bart, I, we, we'll get to the bracketology stuff. We'll get to the metrics um, but but your takes on what you saw Sunday? Well, um, I just thought it was a crazy thing that I saw. You know, um, that was my original take on it. Was I was you know getting ready to kind of leave the room, standing up, watching handshake line, and then I saw something I'd never seen before, and. I did the analytics. I've watched 1.7 million hours of college basketball. And that was the first time I'd ever seen that. Uh, you know, I've seen guys amass in a handshake line before. I've seen spiciness. Um, and that's all we had until Joan Howard went nuts. So that's kind of my take on it is a crazy thing that I saw. And to whatever extent you want to like um, – both sides of this I, just, I don't agree with that because one side did something i'd never seen before and the other side just kind of was a little spicy um i got so you with, with with the greg guard let me stop and hold your elbow and kind of like talk this through going going down the handshake line like that that wasn't a red flag at all in, in your no. eyes okay no um and and i guess the other take i have on this is that the precipitating incident supposedly of Greg Gard calling that timeout is inexplicable to me. 
that that Juwan Howard was mad about that. Um, I just like I'm watching the post game conference with Michigan players, and they're talking about they say something to the effect of you know we we thought that that, that they were trying to extend the game. Um, and it's just crazy, right? Like all Michigan had to do was go stand under their basket and the game was over. Mm-hmm. And you had you had Caleb Houston, a five star, pressing Carter Higginbottom, a five foot tall person. <laughs> <laughs> this, this was just a so that was a crazy I, like I didn't care about that. I, you know, I, I want I want the Badgers to win by as few points as possible so that Michigan, you know, so their net gets better and maybe it's a quad one win. Um, but it was just a crazy, crazy incident. Well, as I, I said this earlier on the show, Bart, um, to my so I, I I'm not I haven't both sides this. So Bart, uh, he 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 fired back at me uh, on on Twitter, and because uh, my column basically said uh, Juwan Howard should have a long suspension. Firing him to me would be going too far, but blaming him, only him, I think, would be misguided. And you said solely blaming him is actually fine. Um, I, I don't I don't agree with that uh, because now now let's be clear on this Bart Juwan Howard deserves the lion's share of the blame we agree on that Sharif Shambliss for reasons I don't fully understand can be seen tackling a Michigan player you have Joe Krabenhoff getting in there probably more than he needs to would love to know what he did to st- Juwan Howard did not take a swing at Greg Gard when Greg Gard put his hands on him and Juwan Howard equally went right back at him. What did Krabenhoff do? Not that it, I'm not saying it, I'm not saying it's an excuse for it, but I would love to know, and I'm sure that Kevin Warren, the Big Ten commissioner, is demanding that kind of answer. What actually prompted this, Juwan? What led to this? Um, Juwan Howard's action, without a doubt, is the central point of this issue and should be. But I will tell you, Bart, and I mentioned this early on the show, so you haven't heard this. I, I've, I've found coaches within the Big Ten and around and elsewhere, about 10, 11 coaches, all except one of them put some of the blame on Greg Gard because they basically said, listen, from my perspective, having been involved in these things, first of all, the end of the game stuff was absolute BS. What is, what is Howard doing pressing? And why does Gard give a damn if he turns the ball over? Okay, this is coaches' opinions. And then two, it's like, we've all been in this spot. Where you beat a team, you're the better team, you beat them, you kick their ass, and you know the other coach is pissed off, and occasionally they'll do the blow by you just let them walk by you. So, the, again, the coaches are not saying it's 50-50 guard Howard, but I'm just telling, within the industry, a lot of coaches are like, guard knew what he was doing, and it was also insulting for guard to assume that Juwan Howard, because he was within the NBA, he did not know the timeout rule. So, I, there has been a little bit of... You know, we're not going to completely just throw all of this on Howard. So I just want to at least give you that perspective as well, because I do think most of it should be on Juwan. But even within his industry, among his own peers in that conference, some of the guys were saying guard could have certainly handled that better. Yeah, I would say I, I agree with that, except I would say it's like 98 to two, you know, <laughs> and to, it's so therefore to like spend any time talking about the blame for guard. Yeah. He should have just walked by when Jawan Howard was a huge baby and wouldn't shake his hand. You know, obviously everybody agrees with that. Yeah. Um, but when people are being a huge inexplicable baby in your face, it's got, you know, a normal person be like, Hey, what's, what's wrong with you? What's going on here? Let me, or, you know, I don't understand. Like, why are you being such a baby? Um, we're, we're in the same fraternity, right? We're coaches. Um, let me, let me stop you and talk to, talk to you about this. So that's my take is it's, it's 98 to two talking about the two 
when somebody gets hit in the face is kind of kind of crazy to me. Yeah. Yeah, wild stuff. And we kind of opened the show and spent the first like 30 minutes talking about it, Bart. Yeah, the the optics of that were um, definitely something you're not used to seeing when you when you tune in uh, and watch College Hoops uh, on the weekend. Uh, Bart, I want to transition to the site, okay? BartTorvik.com. Quick question about last season before we get into the, the bracketology and, and all the metrics that you've got for this year. H- how much of a mess was it? Uh, obviously, you had games last year, but just in terms of, you know, like – you want data points. You want games to be able to measure these teams. How much of a challenge was last year, given that it was the pandemic season? You had empty gyms. You had COVID kind of wreaking havoc on college basketball. What did that look like in in terms of the data that you had from last season? How much of a mess was that? Well, you're kind of giving me flashbacks. Um, hmm. It was, you know, it was tough. Um, the main issues were the schedule constantly changing. Um and, you know, normally in a season, I can just kind of assume that all the games are going to get played. And if if a game gets canceled, I go in and manually change it. Um, but I had to come up with ways to kind of every day see which games were actually getting played, which is now going forward has made this season easier because those mm-hmm. those measures are in place. Um, I did the home court, I think, was a little bit um, lessened. So I kind of just had a special home court for last season. Um, and then the other big issue was uh, limited non-conference play, um, which is a major issue for the ratings, obviously, um, to, you know, you just don't have the same interconnection between the teams. Um, and to handle that, basically I had, I had a little bit more of a prior, um, for teams, um, based on their conference affiliation, essentially. And I did some back testing of that and, and that seemed to work decently so i would definitely say the ratings last year are not as robust as they are for other years i'm sure that's true for every power rating but if they passed the smell test you know there was no colgate at number nine or whatever um fair enough so i'm glad that's over (laughs) yeah yeah for (laughs) sure hopefully it'll Uh, never come back uh a question for you i actually actually have never tried to do this search function on your site i assume you can do it because you can do it kind of a you can kind of go through a back door at ken palm a legal back door if you will and you can see where teams have bumped up versus uh where they were on a given day so you can basically look like preseason this is where all these teams at ken palm were and here they are today and uh and see how much can you do that on your site and uh whether or not you can do you know which couple of teams have been some of the biggest overachievers versus where they sat heading into November? You can do it. There's a page called the T-Rake Time Machine, um, which is not really linked anywhere because it's just kind of a um, not real spruced up page, but um, that's T-Rake hyphen time hyphen time machine or time machine. And the, uh, the three biggest risers from my preseason ratings are number one, is Towson, which I had 256 preseason, and is now 170 is is up 173 mm. to 83, and then Iowa State, which was 191 to 29, and Middle Tennessee, which was 265 to 104. Negative what about uh, what about the negative ones? <laughs> <laughs> negative. Um, well, a lot of these are 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 low major teams, but. Uh, okay. Southern Miss is down 181. Oregon State is down 144, and I'm yeah, 94th that... coming into the season. So, <laughs> um, 
I can look at high majors if you want it. If you want that, I, I would be curious. Like, uh, just since we just talked about, like, uh, I'm just wondering, like, where a Michigan might fall. Uh, they've been decent enough, so I don't know if they'll be drastic. But I'm wondering if they're five, ten, fifteen, twenty below than what we thought in the preseason. Michigan is twenty below okay. um, my preseason. Um, and I believe I was super high on Memphis. It's another one that might be on there. Oh, I don't have them as a high major necessarily, but okay. Um, let's see. Memphis was a preseason pre- big a preseason top ten team in the eyes of many. Obviously, have fallen short. Yeah, and they were number three in my ratings, so wow. they're they're down thirty two. Yeah, number three. Now, how did you how did you account for that? Given they had Duran and Amani Bates coming in as high, like, do you have a specific like they are five star prospects? So, is there a certain uh, way that that those players and their talents get input to just try and you know based on historical data of like well this is you know traditionally if a prospect is ranked one through five they perform like this and so you just kind of go by what has traditionally happened over the past x amount of years that's basically it yeah it's based on you know composite recruiting rank um, and it's very heavily tilted towards the very top guys um, so you know if you're a top five guy or top three guy um there's you're kind of treated like a potential all-american mm-hmm. um if you're number 10 you're treated like probably you know a starter <laughs> you know a high major starter and if you're top 20 guy the number 20 guy it's kind of like eh, this is a role player probably on a on a high major team um because that's that's the way it goes typically is it's a very steep curve as far as what kind of impact uh, a freshman recruit's going to have but if you have the number you know if you have a couple three top 10 guys then that'll definitely increase your projected ranking bart i would imagine this is the time of the year like late february into early march that you start to see you know an uptick in you know page views right so this is uh, apologies ahead of time for asking a simple question here but but for those folks out there that are listening to our show that are looking for metrics to try to help figure out their bubble situation of their team like if you're a wake forest fan and you're listening to the show and you're like i wonder what bart thinks about my squad and our chances of making the tournament barttorvik.com is the site but when they get there bart like there's a lot here Where's a place that they can go to kind of help try to figure out if, hey, are we in? Are we out? Are we on the right side? Are we on the wrong side of this bubble talk? Well, I do have a sort of bracketology um, projection stuff. I'm not quite sure if that's what you're asking. Um, um, You know, the goal of the bracketology stuff is to uh, basically match the conventional wisdom. You know, I'm not trying to beat the, 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 the conventional wisdom, because what I really want to do is have it be useful earlier in the season as we project the rest of the season. So the kind of the test for me at the end of the season is, is this in line with the conventional wisdom? Because that shows me that um, earlier in the season, the projections of where they were or where they were going to be were were sane. You know, they, they made sense. Um, and typically it's, you know, it's it does match the bracket matrix pretty closely um, and which I'm pretty happy with for an algorithm, you know. Um, as far as like picking tournament teams, picking the games, um, I think the best the best you can do is the actual ratings. You know, um, there's still so much variance, but I every year I put a bracket in with the ratings, and I put a bracket in with there's a but there's a bunch of ways you can change the ratings and customize them. You can look at like ratings versus top 100 teams or ratings in the last 10 games and those kinds of things. And um, Overall, almost always just the basic ratings are the best. Um, sometimes one of those other little glosses is a little better. But um, 
I'd, I would go with the basic ratings because they they do have you know um, some some emphasis for recency. For instance, it's built into the ratings, and um, obviously games against top bottom three hundred, you know, the very bottom of the of the of the division are discounted quite a bit. So it is you know, and that's the point. So, you know, which teams are actually the best? That's what the ratings are trying to trying to tell you. Um. Yeah, and by the way, so if you go to barttorvik.com and you go on just it's it's easy enough on the main page. Like right now I just input you can I did versus top 30 teams, minimum of 5 games and customize for that this season. The best team against top 30 competition with a minimum of 5 results is Duke. And then it's Gonzaga, Kentucky, Arizona, Baylor. Uh, and you can get a, a variety of different kind of results there to kind of just, to help you out overall. There's so many different ways like I understand that Ken Palm is is the default go to, but we've uh, we've talked about your site here. I've talked about an Ion College basketball podcast. I've I've successfully uh, planted the seed in Parrish's brain now, where he goes to it as well. I consider that a strong personal achievement. Um, but Bart, for everything that your site does, I do want to give me two or three things because you've got a lot of like fun little wonky cool things. Give me two or three things that if you really do love college basketball, you like getting into the stats. What are two or three things, aside from what we've talked about, that your site offers that people can kind of poke around on that maybe no other site does or, you know, uh, no other site does uh, well or as well as yours does? Well, you know, the main thing that is different is the ability to customize um, a lot of the ratings and a lot of the stats. Um, and that, I think, is kind of the 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 reason the site exists um, is to do exactly what you just did is look at, well, how, how are the teams um, performing against top 30 competition? You know, I don't think I was really that good. So I'm going to look and see um, what the ratings are against top 50. And you can see that, well, I was actually, you know, they don't perform as well against the top 50 as the other teams are around. Um, and then you can also, when you do a, a search like that on the main page, there's a little button called split difference. You click that and it shows you, if you, if you chose the top 50 games performance, it'll show you how they perform in those top 50 games compared to the rest of their games. Um, so that's that's another way to look at those kind of things is, okay, they still perform well, but how do, how do they perform compared to the other games? And that's the kind of question a lot of people want to know. So you can do that with home road, um, time splits. Um, another cool thing is you can do a lot of these things for player stats too. So you can look at, if you go to the player stats, you can look at... Um, player stats against top 100 and you know or top 50 and for instance that's kind of uh, I've, I've tweeted this a couple of times about johnny davis obviously i'm a uh, partisan for him um for national player of the year type stuff especially in this open race but it, if you look at his stats against top 50 competition i think he's got 12 games or so um he's the best by i mean he's scoring over 25 points a game in those 12 games um and like nine rebounds a game and his advanced stats are the best too, like the tempo free stats. Um, so you can do all sorts of, of sifting and winnowing as we say at the university of Wisconsin. Um, and those are two that popped in my mind. Okay. He's also got uh, something called what he referred to before as T rankatology. So it breaks it down by seed. That's what you were referring to before, right, Bart? With, uh, right. With, okay, so there's T-Rankatology. And I know when we had you on a year ago, I specifically asked you about the difference here, but I'm going to have you repeat this. Oh, yeah. If you go to the drop-down on his Funalytics, uh, there's also something called TourneyCast. What is the difference between T-Rankatology, which is almost like reflecting what the bracket matrix in part does, and what specifically the TourneyCast is doing? 
So one thing about both of them is that they're trying to project the end or at least the near end of the season rather than as things are today. So that's yes. a little bit different than what most um, bracketologists are doing. Um, so that's and that's just because I can, and it's, it's a little bit different. Um, so basically, T rankatology is an alg- is a is a regression using various ranks to get a score for each team, and then you put them in order of that score, and that's and that's the projected field. Um, and that and that forecasts every game until the end of the season, ex- it, but only scheduled games. So in other words, it doesn't include the conference tournaments. But then every night. Um, at, at 2 a.m. or so, uh, my computer runs 10,000 simulations of the rest of the season, including the conference tournament, and tracks what, what happens in those simulations, and that's the tourney cast. So um, one of the reasons they're different is that sometimes just like the average result um, doesn't, doesn't really account for kind of how unstable that average result is. And a good mm-hmm. example of that would be Michigan, actually. Which is which is um, forecasting to be right around four games over 500, um, and if they're four games over 500, they're probably going to make the tournament. I think most, if you just look at the games that they have to play and the wins that they will get by doing that, um, and then wins that they already have. But if they're three games over 500, things are going to get pretty squirrely for them just because it's there's kind of this historical Mendoza line there, right. where um, and I know Jerry Palm talks about this all the time. Um, you know, things could get tough. So if their average result, which is what the T-rank etology algorithm is working off of, is four games over 500, they're in. But if they lose one game, they're probably out. So the tourney, class, the tourney cast simulations will reflect that because they'll almost always miss the tournament in the, in the simulations where they only end up three games over 500. Um, so rather than saying, here's their score at 4.2 games over 500, it says anytime they lose that, that one extra game, they're out. Um, so that means they're only getting in 75% of the time. So they're just kind of two different ways of doing the same thing. The turning cast, I would say, is the is the more accurate one, but I can only do it once a day. Um, so T-Rank Ontology updates constantly with every game that comes in. Um, and it also it powers the other kind of fun things you can do, like, well, what if you change this game? Or what if Michigan wins wins out? Or what if your team loses out? What seed? How much does their seed mm-hmm. change? You can do all that with T-Rank Ontology. Okay, and uh, for the Michigan fans listening that might be uh, just fuming mad at Torvik for his earlier comments, just to let you know his system right now has Michigan in at 80.2%. There are mild discrepancies versus at-large and auto bids, obviously. Um, At-large percentage, 79. And then just getting to the first round period is 77.9%. That accounts for, if you're wondering why, that would be 77.9 versus in is 80.2. You also got to figure, I imagine, the first four. That is not the round of 64 percentage, which is reflected on the tourney cast. Last question for me though how about this though i look at this right now in your tourney cast this is glaring to me i just i want you to explain it if you can right now gonzaga according to your tourney cast is 24.7 to win the title 20 that is an absurd percentage on february 21st as far as i'm concerned considering the fact that yes in efficiency margin and t rank all that they are they do have some separation from Arizona and Auburn and Kentucky and all that. I get all that. But Gonzaga right now is 24.7 to win the title. The teams behind it are Arizona, Kentucky, and Baylor at 6.5, 6.8, and 6.7% respectively. Those are numbers that are somewhat understandable. Can, how do you account for the fact that Gonzaga right now is a 1-5 <laughs> chance to win the title at this point in the season? I had not noticed that, um, and I agree that's a little that's a little bit glaring. Um, if usually, you go into the tournament, um, the number one overall seed or the the top team is is around twenty percent. Um, 
I guess the way I would try to explain this is if you look at the other teams. Um, so first of all, like you mentioned, Gonzaga is kind of far out in front in the ratings. And obviously that's what's driving this um, is the ratings. Um, so they're they're quite far out in front of the ratings. They've been an, by an unusual amount. Um, and then if you just kind of think about the other teams, um, there's no clear number two in the race. Like I think right now in, in, in my ratings, Houston is still number two. And we know that that's not real. Um, or, or that's suspect, right? They're missing right. two of their main guys. Um, and you kind of think that they'll, they'll end up dropping down. So you got, and then you got a, a, a bunch of contenders who are, are good teams, you know, like Kentucky has a super high ceiling. Obviously we know that, but Arizona is, I, I think there's still some question marks about how elite um, Arizona is, but obviously they're a great team, Kansas, all these teams, but there's no clear number two. Nobody's been on this winning streak like Gonzaga has been um, just dominating their conference. Right. Um, and their conference is actually better than usual. Um, so the fact that, <laughs> that they're doing this is pretty extraordinary. I know the other day, I think it was Saturday, they played Santa Clara and it was, it was kind of a briefly, um, big news on twitter that the game was like nine uh, nine point they got it to six <laughs> they got it to yeah. six right um and then all of a sudden it was 17 or something yeah exactly um, so uh, so I, yeah I, I would say that's too high obviously um yeah but it reflects that what gonzaga has just really separated themselves in the computers Hey, Bart, last question for me. You brought this up kind of casually at the jump that you've you've done the math and you've watched 1.7 million minutes of college basketball in, in your life. Uh, hours. What, hours, excuse me. I was uh, what, what? Okay. I, was, I, I mean, I'm, I'm curious, like, what your setup is. Like, Norlander's told us he's, like, quad box guy. He, he does the Apple TV. He splits it into four different screens. Like, on a Saturday when it's wall-to-wall hoops, um, how do you – how do you digest college basketball? I'm just curious. Yeah, it's usually just on the TV. I've actually got a, a pretty cool new setup, which I'll plug, um, which is my cable. I had a TiVo, an actual TiVo for a long time, and it recently broke. And so I was looking, thinking about having to get a cable box. Um, and I looked into that, and I had to pay like 20 bucks a month with various fees. And there's this app called Channels TV DVR, um, which you can install on your PC, and it goes and logs into all the, the channels that you would go to individually, like ESPN.com, um, or basically every channel has a website now through your if you have a cable access. And it goes and logs into them, and kind of like in the background is a DVR. Um, and so I can tell my computer to record all these games, and then I can, at least if I'm in my house, I can watch them anywhere on my phone or my computer, and I can do like, I can open up four different browser windows and do the quad box, the Norlander mm. quad box. Um, so it's a, it's a really, and that's like $10 a month. Um, I don't think I'm even paying for it yet, but once the free trial ends. <laughs> um, and so it's very cool. Um, and, and I, you know, installed another hard drive on my computer. So I've, I've got, a, I've got a, a library of college basketball games forming there. That's cool. Right, so, so when you want to go back and watch Towson and JMU, you know, at 2 exactly. o'clock in the morning on a Wednesday, <laughs> it's there for you. That's good stuff. Uh, Bart, appreciate the time, man. We may do this again as we get closer to tournament time because, again, I mean, your website is, is awesome, and, and it just so happened to time out that we got some, some Greg Gard and Juwan Howard takes from you to start Funny the Funny how that right? worked, man. I hit yeah. him up before all this happened, and then, then it happened, and then, yeah, everything. Then everything. It's a beautiful yeah. thing. So BartTorvik.com and on Twitter, this is fun, at totally underscore T underscore bomb. Bart, thanks so much for joining the show, man. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It was fun. 
All right. Thanks again to Bart Torvik and uh, BartTorvik.com is the website if you want to go and get some metrics, if you want to inject it in your veins. Now inside of three weeks to go until Selection Sunday, uh, we are going to wrap the show Yeah. in the same place that we always wrap the show, which is now spinning. I don't know if this segment survived I, when I, Shas was co-hosting or, or yeah. you know, subbing for me last yeah. week. We, but we, Yeah, we, it survived. By the way, as, we, as that Torvik interview was going on, got another text from a coach out west. Coach's punishments, guard and assistant and Howard should be all more than the players. Just tell it's it's just interesting. That's from not the a outside, hot take. No, obviously. I'm just saying from the from the outside looking in, everyone's like it's all on Howard. It's all on Howard. I'm just telling you, coaches aren't putting this all on Howard. Uh, that's that's you know, I'll be interested to see how the Big Ten handles that. All right, as for uh, as for now, well now spinning or do you want do you want to preview any of these? Games or are we just going? No, now there's college basketball being played this week. Watch okay, it. It's on television. Spinning. I'm handling it now. Spinning here. All right. Yeah, you you said you had something. I got an so email on. four days ago from a PR firm. It's going to be a little bit of a trivia time kind of deal. The best music cities in America. Okay, we looked at the 50 most populous metro areas and found the 10 best music cities are. And here's what here are the qualifications. Uh, they play they play the hits for every metric with lots of working musicians, inexpensive concerts, plenty of intimate concert venues, and a higher Google search volume for music genres than the average city in our study. I'll give you the worst. The worst music city is Miami. <laughs> Pitbull. Now I have the ten in front of me. Both of you are gonna go play along and guess. All right. What do we think the best music city in? Let's first of all let's see. We'll give you ten guesses. How about a collective 10 guesses? Each of you get five, and we'll see how many of the 10 you can get in your 10 guesses. So, yeah, let, let's bounce back and forth here. Bounce Serber, back and forth. Serber gets get first. To go number one. Best music city in America, Serber. What do you think it is? Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas is number four on the list. All right, I'm going Nashville. That is number one. Okay, bang. Two for With two. Bullet. Let's go. I don't think you're getting number two on the list. Maybe you will. Surprise to me. Serbs? Number two. Number two on the list. Oh boy, we're gonna knock out the top ten between the two of us. We got this. We're gonna. Knock I think. Out the top I 10. think. Uh, I think you guys get five of the ten. Oh my god, we're already two for two. I know you're two for two. Next Seattle, message. Washington. Boom, number nine, three for three. Uh, we'll go in state here, Asheville, North Carolina. No. What? If anything from North Carolina is making it, it's the the Triangle region. That's Raleigh, not a Durham, guess. It's not an official guess. That's not an official guess. If you want to make that a guess, just let me know. I'm not going to say whether that's on point or not. Uh, is it? Whose guess is it right now? It's your I'm guess yours, right now. I'm, I'm going to guess Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill. Boom. Raleigh is number five on the list. You're four for five. Yeah. Uh, Hartzell, don't make that face. You know nothing about music, clearly. <laughs> Raleigh is back. number five on the list, and I would I would have accepted General Triangle area. Yes. Yeah. Let's come back to Raleigh. I've got a Raleigh thing for now okay. spinning before we get out of here. Um, God, it's back to me. Atlanta, Georgia. Not on the list. Four for six. Chicago, Illinois. Not on the list. Four wow. for seven. Okay. Now we're starting to get. That's why I said what I said. You top out at five, did I not? Yeah, you did. New York City, not on the list. Four for eight. (laughs) Even though New York City is clearly a top ten city for music in America. Yeah, that makes me want to not guess L.A. either. Um, 
I'm going to go back to Pacific Northwest, Portland, Oregon. Number three on the list, 549. It's on you, Hartzell, to hit the over of my guess. (laughs) Damn it. Um, Yeah, we're totally screwed here. Um, I mean, the Midwest is not represented on this list right now. Oh, where we think? Uh, I mean, Austin. I don't know if we're counting that. That's a you Southwest, already guessed maybe. that. You guessed that. Correctly. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah no, no. no. I in know terms that. of it's, if it's Midwest, I've never it. been can, anywhere. Can in the and I work together here? Yeah, let's bounce this. Let's yeah, work, work together. This. Yeah, I, um, I've never been to Chicago. I've never been to the Midwest. I've never been to Madison. I've never been to all these great I places. I, I that Minneapolis is the one that jumps off the page to me. I like as it. A let's let's go. Let's go with Minneapolis. Home of Prince, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Eh, hate to see it. All right, the worst the worst ones are Miami, Vegas, Houston, San Antonio, and Dallas. Those are the five worst. Again, according to whatever. I love the Vegas. Here's is the on top there. ten love in order. That. One is Nashville. Number two, Indianapolis. What? I was just there and I saw live local music. No, impossible. Continue. Impossible. Three is Portland. Four is Austin. Five is Raleigh. Six is an underrated city. I can't speak to its music scene, but it is an underrated good city. Salt Lake City is six. St. Louis is seven. San Francisco is eight. Seattle is nine. And shouts to the Goo Goo Dolls, Buffalo is ten. Shouts to Mo, also from the greater Buffalo area. Wow. Okay. Interesting. I mean, we we knew that it was somewhere in the the Midwest. I did not see Indy coming up. Who did you say number two was? Indianapolis. No yeah, see, I, I have no idea how Austin is number four on this list and Indianapolis is number two. Like, I'm crying foul. Austin, I agree. I agree. It, it's like, it's it's a, I like, I won't, listen, I won't push back on Nashville being number one just because the amount of talented musicians that are there. It's got, it's got to be. I think you, that's You got fair. Robert's Western World. You got Tootsie. Like, yes, on Broadway, you can get music anytime. You go to East Nashville, you can get like indie rock and garage rock all the time. But, like, Austin, Texas is the music capital of the world. And for it to not even be number two on this list is disgusting. Also, yeah, like, also, yeah. maybe New York's too big for it. Maybe LA's too. These are huge cities. Like, uh, Yeah, are you kidding me? New York and LA Run are huge. And New of- Orleans, what are we yes. doing here? Whoa, I didn't even think about that. New Orleans, New Orleans. isn't on there. The only, the only city in the country that you can walk down the street and just take a pick of which jazz club you want to go to that has live jazz by world-class musicians at all times. I know. I all times. Do, so, again, I, this is... I, I got, this was an email from a PR firm. It came in. I was like, I'll save it. I didn't even look at the top 10 till right before we did the show. I was like, I'll just save this for the show. It was a little twist on now spinning there. So I got issues. I got issues with the list, even though I think, you know, Nashville has a strong case right there with Austin. Yeah, sure. They do. Uh, quick, quick what's, little Raleigh. Yeah, what's your Raleigh here? take, Hartzell? I've, I've got, well, I've, I've got a concert. I've got tickets secured. First, first show of 2022 lined up and ready to go. Friday, July 29th, Fleet Foxes at an outdoor venue in Raleigh. Should be safe. I'm excited. It's a band that I've wanted to see live for a while, and my wife makes fun of me because she thinks when I listen to it that I'm depressed, which I'm not. Um, but here's the here's the funny part here. Booked this, got a pre-sale invite. Like when I was in Colorado, made it a priority. Booked it. Friday, July 29th, Raleigh. Bang. Happy. Fish dates come out two days later. It's tough. Friday, July 29th, in Raleigh, fish. Wow. 
You hate. I mean, you, you can't plan Tough. this. You just, well, let you, me tell you something, Hartzell. I think you need to rethink your first concert of the year, though, because a significant tour was announced last week while you were in Colorado. <laughs> the Paul McCartney Got Back yeah. tour. And guess who's coming to Truist? What are we Truist going to wait? Sir Paul, why? What's the Truist what Stadium in Winston-Salem, yeah. North Carolina, where the Wake Forest Demon Deacons uh, near the ACC Atlantic Division champion Wake Forest Demon Deacons play football. That's correct. May 21st, dude. Tickets go on sale. This, uh, the, I think they're on sale tomorrow if you're an American Express card holder. Um, Norlander, you would, want to come on down for this? I mean, we could have a CS at the tailgate. We got know. hospitality lined up. These are our I've, people. Yeah, yeah. The 25th, I, I'm, I'm going to see Paul McCartney on May 21st, 2022. No okay. ifs ands or butts about it i've already made the decision that i'm going to spend whatever money it takes to make that happen he is a he is a beetle in my opinion he is the beetle and this is this may be like i think he might be 70 i saw i saw maca 2017 yeah like phenomenal not even a little bit don't regret it i know you don't regret it like come on the dude's gotta see it gotta make it happen genius He's a legit genius, and Hartzell, he is five minutes from us. Hang on. Hang so on. make Let's, it happen. Uh, look, I understand. Make but it happen. Norlander, before we wrap here, tell Cerber, like he needs to be prepared to drop three bills on these tickets. Like They're not going to be cheap. There's no I'm general admission. I'm planning to spend $700. You got to do it. Wow. 700 to 1000 is my budget because I'm potentially yeah. going to be on the football I think field. I think Cerber's like, got I'm the ends to get to into the fucking dugout like, right now. Like, I, he's... There's, I well, don't. I no, hit up my I hit up our weight guy, our Wake yeah. Forest guy in the office, now and I was like, talking. "Hey man, um, I'm expecting free tickets." He was like, "Prepared to be disappointed." So now I've reached out to my Odyssey guy, which is a radio group. It's gonna happen, um, man. And I've got I've there. got irons in the fire there. But if nothing happens before the 25th, I'm paying a thousand dollars to go see Paul McCartney. Like whatever it takes, it's happening. I love it. I think it's great. I think it's phenomenal. Uh, I've got a I've got a great now spinning question for you guys, which I will save for Sounds Thursday's good. show. How's that for a tease? Excellent. There are college basketball games on television this week. You can find them on your local cable provider. We don't need to get into it right now because we've spent plenty of time talking about college basketball. So we're going to get out of here for Norlander and Serber and our man Bart Torvik. I'm Stephen Hartzell. We'll talk to you guys on Thursday at CS Now Tweets on Twitter. Check us out. Drop us a line. Thanks for listening to the show.